Wow. Stirred up a hornet's nest with that one, didn't I? And why? Because I did what I always do. I chose to speak the truth. And just because we don't like it, doesn't make it any less true. There's lots more to do. Come on, let's go. Charles could have seen that one coming. It's not surprising though. Oftentimes we don't want to see the truth, even when it's right in front of our faces. And that's definitely what happened Monday. Well, good morning, my friends, and welcome to the program. From high above all other puerile and insipid forms of Wyoming mainstream media, this is Cowboy State Politics. I, of course, am your illustrious host, David Iverson, firmly ensconced behind the silver cowboy state politics microphone and broadcasting to you from the base of the Bighorns in beautiful Buffalo, Wyoming. The problem with hero worship is that it allows us to overlook faults, sometimes monumental errors in judgment. We'll brush them aside and we'll insert our own explanation for the actions of others for no other reason than we don't want to believe the truth. But my friends, eventually we have to come back down to reality. A bunch of you are mad at me for Monday's program. I completely understand it, but you have to ask yourself why it is that you're mad at me. Are you mad at me because I spoke the truth? Or are you mad that you didn't see it? Or because I laid it bare for all to see? But let me just tell you what happened on Monday. When I started this program, I promised you that I would always tell you the truth as I see it. Unafraid, unabashed, unvarnished truth. Monday, I kept my promise to you. I read you exactly what Donald Trump posted on Truth Social. Word for word, in all of its monumentally stupid glory. I explained to you what it meant and what the ramifications of it are. I even ended the program by telling you that I don't know what to believe right now. But my friends, with politicians, we don't get to add our own thoughts to what they said. We take them at their word. That's exactly what we do with the other side. It must hold true for our side as well. We don't get to add anything to what they said to make it more palatable. We don't get to divine meaning where it doesn't exist. The only person that can add to that post on Truth Social is Donald Trump himself. And what could he add? Well, he could explain what it is that he meant. I don't know what he could possibly say to explain this sentence. Quote, A massive fraud of this type and magnitude allows for the termination of all rules, regulations, and articles, even those found in the Constitution. End quote. Now, I know a lot of you are saying, well, he explained it. He said that it was taken out of context. No, it wasn't. I read you his post in its entirety. So let us define what out of context means. To the 1828, and I quote, Context. The general series or composition of discourse, more particularly, the parts of discourse which precede or follow the sentence quoted. Uh-huh. 
So for something to be taken out of context, there would have had to have been a sentence directly before and directly after the passage that I read to you. And my friends, there wasn't. Go look at it for yourself. I read you the entire thing. So then, the very uncomfortable follow-up question is, how exactly was it taken out of context? Do you see how this thing just snowballs? In any case, my friends, this whole thing is what it is, and it should be taken as such. I'm not going to back off Monday's program, not one single inch. I know what I read, I know what he said, and I know exactly what it means. And it's my job to tell you about it. Do I still think that Donald Trump is one of the best presidents in my lifetime? Absolutely, without a doubt. Did he do an awesome job running our country? Yep, he definitely did. Do I think that he would probably do a pretty good job if we re-elected him? Yeah, he probably would. But right now, I have a problem with what he wrote on Truth Social, and he needs to explain it. And not just, it was taken out of context. That's bullcrap, and you and I know it. And that's it. Okay, all of that unpleasantness out of the way, I think it's time for a little self-aggrandizement. You can listen to the podcast on any of your favorite podcasting apps. iHeartRadio, iTunes, TuneIn, really any of them will work. But the easiest way is just to go to the website, cowboystatepolitics.com. There, you can find all of the shows, as well as any of the articles that I might bring up during the course of a program. If your name is Sleepy Joe Biden, and you're dumb as a box of rocks, well, you can go to CowboyStatePolitics.com, pull up an article, and educate yourself. Sorry, Sleepy Joe. I don't have your pudding schedule there. This segment of the program was brought to you by New Trend Hats. Have you looked outside recently? Yeah, it's snowing, and it's piling up on your front porch. And what you're going to have to do sooner rather than later is get out there and shovel all of that white stuff out so you can walk to your car in your favorite shoes without getting them soaking wet from all of the snow. It's not just your shoes you have to worry about. What about your ears while you're clearing off the porch? What you should do is go to NewTrendHats.com and find a hat to keep those ears of yours nice and toasty warm. They have a wide selection of hats for both men and women, and I'm positive that you can find one to keep your head warm. So, go to the Wyoming-based NewTrendHats.com. Trust me, your ears and shoes will thank you. And now, on with the program. the program talking about a view of the Constitution, or at least one person's view of the Constitution. And so I thought it appropriate on this 375th episode of Cowboy State Politics that we continue to do that. There's what they're calling a new constitutional theory coming out of Harvard University. It's not new. Nothing these jokers come up with actually is. The truth is it dates all the way back to the 17 and 1800s. It wasn't a good theory then, and it's definitely not a good theory now. 
but it does lend itself to a lot of what's going on right now. And the people that are pushing it claim that it's coming from conservative circles. They're calling it common good constitutionalism. Oh, heart. The central tenet of it is the Constitution's main goal is not liberty. It's common good morality. I have so many questions with this bullcrap, and I've got just the guy to talk to about it, our friend Charlie Cole. Before we get to our discussion, let me just tell you where all of this idiocy comes from. It dates back to a guy named Jeremy Bentham, who was writing in the 17 and 1800s, and he came up, came up with this theory called utilitarianism. The, the long and the short of it is, Jeremy Bentham believed that the greatest good for the greatest number of people is what we should be striving for. And he defined good as the greatest amount of pleasure. Huh. Pleasure and everything else that's going on right now seems pretty hedonistic, doesn't it? Well, actually, it is. And Jeremy Bentham and later, early John Stuart Mill sought to promote the greatest amount of pleasure for the greatest amount of people. But the problem is that this philosophy can lead to a lot of really terrible things. We could claim that it is the greatest good for the greatest number of people to kill off an entire race so that we can be happy. You and I know that that's not in any way moral, and it's not ethical, and it's not right, and it's not something that we would ever advocate. But that is the eventual consequence of utilitarianism. And who exactly is this common group of people? Well, it's certainly not the elites. They wouldn't consider themselves common. So it must be you and me. So who then decides what is the common good? Well, it must be the elite folks at the top. And of course, what they decide for us is not going to be what they've decided for themselves. It never works out that way. And secondly, who exactly defines what is good and by what measure? Who should decide what's good for you? Well, under constitutional law and our conception of liberty, that person is you and no one else. It kind of sounds a little bit like that word democracy. You know, the one that, we're, that we hear repeated over and over and over ad nauseum until none of us really understand what it means. But pure democracy is exactly what Jeremy Bentham and John Stuart Mill were talking about. In other words, ultimate mob rule. Because the mob is always going to act in what they think are their best interests. Or the common good. So what does all of this have to do with Wyoming? Well, you've heard the media and legislators down in Cheyenne refer to the common good, though they haven't used that language, but they talk about it all of the time. Think about the special session and vaccine mandates. Were they not deciding what is best for the common folks? Were they not saying that you need to jab a hunk of metal into your arm because that's what's best for you? And what about their constant push for Medicaid expansion? Why would they be so adamant about that? I mean, they're all, all the time claiming that this will provide health care for everybody. It will be good for all of us. The common good. So I talked with Charlie Cole about this subject, and we did it over Zoom because we're in the middle of a giant snowstorm. By the way, it's still snowing here at Cowboy State Politics headquarters. So the audio's a little choppy, but you can definitely hear what was said. Representative-elect Ken Pendergraft was supposed to join us, but he too got snarled up in the snow yesterday and wasn't able to make our meeting. So here's my discussion with our good buddy, Charlie Cole. 
All this past year, there's been what they're calling a new legal theory about the Constitution developing. The truth is, it's not new at all. In fact, it's centuries old. It's just they've, like they always do, they've put a new spin on it and tried to brand it as something new and original. But nothing is new when you're talking about philosophy or legal opinions, and this is no different. So joining me tonight is Charlie Cole. So Charlie, welcome to the program. Thank you, David. Good to talk to you again. The article that we've been discussing comes out of Politico, and the title of it is Critics Call It it Theocratic and Authoritarian. Young conservatives call it an exciting new legal theory. Common good constitutionalism has emerged as a blah, 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 blah. I think the first thing I'd like to do, Charlie, is just let you have the first crack at this, and then we'll talk about it. I went through it at um, some length, read it very thoroughly. I will have several comments just on a surface comment. The first comment I had was (laughs) the very term common good constitutional. Well, that's... uh, not, that that's that's a an oxymoron of, of, of huge proportions. That that's almost like saying a pro-life abortion clinic. Um, there's there's no way that a constitutionalist can set his legal bearings on the common good. That's what Justice Scalia used to refer to as outcome-based judicial decisions and it's exactly the thing that he spent his whole adult life and all of his time on the court fighting but there's there were some things that came through that article i noticed multiple references to right wing and extreme right wing and uh, all this and it um, as it always does it incensed me because this is another example of how we just allow these these apologists for collectivism. We, we allow them to uh, use, I should say, misuse and abuse something that from ancient European history, they've brought it forward with a certain uh, activist intent. And what I'm referring to is the whole phony left-right dichotomy. Just to take a minute, because it's very important, given all the stuff that we read coming out of places like Wyofile and various newspapers in Wyoming. You can't read one without seeing this right-wing stuff all over the place. For your audience, the, the terms left-wing and right-wing, well, they're, they're simply incorrectly used in modern times as a symbolic label somehow for progressive, quote-unquote, and conservatives. Uh, it's a misuse of a very old European differentiation. The terms were originally coined in uh, reference to the physical seating arrangements of politicians in the French National Assembly during the French Revolution, 1789. The delegates were, as we know from history, deeply divided over during the French Revolution uh, about how much authority King Louis the Sixteenth should have. And as the debate raged on, uh, the two main factions uh, staked out physically territory in the assembly hall. The anti-royalist revolutionaries treated themselves to the presiding officers left, and the more conservative aristocratic supporters of the monarchy gathered. So at that, that's where that all came from. Unfortunately, many, many, many decades later, the term right-wing 
was subsequently assigned to Hitler's Nazis to represent, uh, you know, a, a horizontal continuum with Stalin's uh, communists on the left and the Nazis on the right. Well, this this has allowed activist historians uh, to project this hypothesized difference forward to present progressives on the left and conservatives on the right. The obvious inference uh, has been that uh, right-wingers, uh, they use it as a derogatory term used to this day, as we see in Wyoming newspapers. Uh, it was analogous to, to Hitlerites. So if you're a uh, you're on the right. You're a Hitlerite. You're a Nazi. Thus, uh, we conservatives are similarly slurred. Uh, in reality, Hitler's Nazi Germany and Stalin's Soviet Union were but two sides of the very same coin. Uh, and there wasn't a shred of actual difference between those two tyrannical, barbaric regimes. But this is how the language is used uh, to affect activist political uh, goals. And this is something we see. You've seen it in the YO file articles. We see it all over the place. Okay, but anyway, I thought I'd start with that because it's it really just it's a burr under my saddle. It's, it's a pebble in my shoe. Every time I see it, I just cringe. And our, our people, the conser constitutional conservatives, don't seem to be able to just stand up and, and call BS. And it, 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 it's unrealistic, it's unfair, and it's a lie. Looking at the origin of the terms right and left is important here. I know a lot of people think, they look at history and they say, well, you know, it's, uh, it's unimportant and we're doing new things now. The leftists, or the, the left in the uh, French assembly, they were the revolutionaries. They were not the liberty-minded liberty folks, not at all. They were the humanists, and they were directly the Jacobin. All of them, they were responsible for the reign of terror and all of the horrors that happened during the French Revolution. Yes, they were. It went so far to crazy town, they turned Notre Dame Cathedral into the Temple of Reason. Mm -hmm. They allowed Robespierre to construct a, a mountain in downtown Paris of which he ascended wearing a toga, preaching, and this is a wonderful term, but preaching the gospel of reason. So the left, before and during the French Revolution, I mean, they were the humanists. They were the people that rejected God and the people that rejected uh, tradition. Now, the conservatives, those were the folks that were in favor of keeping things the way that they were, and originally they were in favor of the monarchy. But when we apply them to where we're at today, the right wing, as you as you said, were were likened to the SS and and Nazi Germany, and the left, well, they're they're the compassionate ones. Right. Truth be told, it's really the left that are the authoritarians. What struck me about this article is the term "common good," and it goes it goes way back to uh, Jeremy Bentham and his ideas about utilitarianism. Bentham and early John Stuart Mill, they were proponents of this theory called utilitarianism. Essentially, the greatest good for the greatest number of people. They went so far as to even think of themselves as hedonists. In both of their writings, they referred to um, good as in terms of pleasure. So the greatest amount of pleasure that we can create, that equates to the greatest good. 
And yeah. I, I mean, that line of thinking allows you to do some really horrible stuff. Well, you know, we we have to go to war with this other country because it's uh, it's it's in our common good. We have to mm -hmm. mandate vaccines because it's better for everybody, regardless of what those people think is good for them. Right. And it's a continuation of the straight line, which you accurately described from the Jacobins in France, right straight forward till today. Because notice, common good. My first question was, oh, common good, as defined by whom? And notice the word common is a very, very close synonym to the collective. In other words, we're supposed to, as good little cogs in the wheel, we're supposed to uh, click our heels and follow everything that they say. Follow the science, as it were. And so you, you look at all these different applications and you look at historical examples. I mean, you, you mentioned the French ones, but look at, look at all of the collectivist brutality which has followed that. You can't find greater dichotomy, really. If you want a dichotomy, it's it, the, look at the French Revolution and look at the American. There were polar opposites. Here we have two very clear lines. In the amazing thing is that somehow Rush Limbaugh used to say quite often, well, if you want to know uh, what, what the left is up to, just look at what they accuse us of doing. And that, that projection that they do is still evident today. Stalin made the argument with, with Roosevelt and Churchill. He said, look, we have a common common enemy so therefore let's join our forces and we will defeat this common enemy yes and what happened to eastern and central europe in the process they simply were uh, those people 90 million people in east and central europe from east germany to poland czechoslovakia romania bulgaria all of them they were all consigned to another 40 plus years of just as brutal oppression as the Nazis had given in during World War II. So again, we see this projection, and it's always a matter of, as you said, we're the concerned ones. We just want to do what's best for everybody. And you notice the 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 bent of these articles that you see in uh, in the in the Wyoming media. Uh, how often you right now? The Freedom Caucus uh, is being portrayed as some kind of loose, strange, uh, radical people that want to just tear down everything that Wyoming has built up. Uh, and all they need to do is say, wait a minute, just work with us, the establishment. We know what's best. We've been here all this time. We're the ones who care. It's the same dichotomy is just clothed in different language and as Joseph Goebbels from Nazi Germany said words are very useful they often disguise ideas and so this is what we're facing so this whole idea of common good conservative uh, constitutionalism that is the result of way too many high position legal academic thinkers uh, simply rather than being interested in the criminal justice and how it's being perverted in this country 
they're they're off doing things like this. And unfortunately, that was a conference, as I believe, it was, it was sponsored by the conservative uh, legal outfit. The uh, oh, the Federalist Society. Federalist, yeah, yeah. First, I think it was one of their conferences, and that's really disturbing. You know, to have them even spend ten minutes discussing things like when. When we have a judiciary right now appears, uh, it's the corruption is there. It's there for people to see. When you look at the Sussman trial in Washington D.C., when you look at the the things that uh, these collectivist so-called progressive politics look, look what Hillary Clinton has got away with. Can you just imagine if a conservative politician would have done any of those things that she has invented. My goodness, they put those people underneath the cell. Yes. Uh, this this whole notion of common good is just, it's tempting. It's like the, it's like the fruit of the garden sounds wonderful, but when you bite into it, watch out. We'll get back to Charlie Cole in just a second, but first... A completely obscene profit timeout. Cowboy State Politics is brought to you by Morton Buildings. It's snowing outside, and I think it's going to continue doing that. Now, what you should have done last summer is called Nick and Jesse from Morton Buildings. Their phone number is 307-674-2532. They could have set you up with a metal building, whether it's an outbuilding or a garage or a barn or a roping arena or even a giant warehouse, and you wouldn't have had to do all of that work out in the snow. Not to worry. There's no time like the present. So give the fellas a call at Morton Buildings. Again, their phone number is 307-674-2532. They're the experts in metal building construction, and they've been doing it longer than anybody else around. So give them a call. Tell them what you're looking for, and they'll handle all the details. My friends, not only is it Christmas time, it's Gun of the Week time from Gunrunner Auctions. It's lot number 20. It's a Browning BAR 300 Win Mag with a 24-inch barrel. It's a 1975 Belgian Browning. It's in excellent condition, and the 24-inch barrel has an excellent shiny bore. It's got a tight action. Trust me, this thing will knock down any elk that you want to shoot at. The bluing is wonderful on it, and it has, and it's a 98% plus plus. So what you should do is drop a couple hints to the missus and tell her to go to GunRunnerAuctions.com and so that she can get this beautiful firearm and put it under the Christmas tree for you. It's lot number 20 at GunRunnerAuctions.com. And now, back to the program. the central tenets of this article is that they they try to make the claim that the Constitution really is not about liberty. Rather, it's about promoting the moral common good for the citizenry. People on the left have a real problem with liberty for the simple reason that if people are free, they can't be controlled. 
And if you look at all of the autocratic regimes in history, the one dangerous thing to them was a free populace. One of the reasons why this particular article and others like them, there's been numerous articles written over the last year on this farcical common good constitutionalism, but they're trying to paint liberty as something that's immoral. People are inherently selfish, and if we allow them liberty, then they're going to do all sorts of horrible things to their neighbors. Well, the truth is, it's actually the reverse. To move forward on anything like utilitarianism or the common good, you have to take away liberty. And so your reference to the Freedom Caucus is interesting, Charlie, because here you have the media in Wyoming trying to paint the Freedom Caucus as some sort of autocratic fascist regime, when the truth is they're exactly the opposite. The autocrats and the fascists are those people who would be in favor of something called the common good. Right. And that has been the pattern throughout history. Uh, and that is that is really the core of the difference. It's we know better than you do. In the Hitler uh, youth movement, those young Germans were taught, look, uh, the Führer knows what is best, and you need to you need to get behind us for Germany's good, the Volksgemeinschaft, the greater German community, the collective. And if your parents kind of don't agree with that, let your teacher know, and he'll know what to do. Right. He'll dial G for Gestapo on the phone, and the next thing is a visit, etc. The Soviets did the exact same thing with the young pioneers, uh, they were called. These people were indoctrinated to believe that communism, given its uh, scientific basis, was clearly the only rational system of governance. And again, it was something that we all participated in together, and we're doing this for the good of our communist society and for the world revolution. And therefore, if someone says something that's not particularly in line with that, let us know. So then we project forward. And what do we get out of Hillary Clinton? Uh, it takes a village. Right. What do we get out of these, uh, out of the NEA and the rest of them? And I guess the WEA is starting to sound pretty much like it. Look at their socialist fist on the website. Yeah, we're getting the we're getting the notion that hey, parents, listen, you rubes, you sit down. We know what's best for your children, and don't you dare come to a school uh, or or even a, a school board meeting and try to ask questions or question us, us the professionals, the, the people in in the know about what we're doing. We know what we're doing, so you just. Your, your only job is send them to us, and then we'll take care of everything. The irony being is they know exactly what they're doing, Charlie. The best example of that was in Sweetwater County earlier this year. Uh, a bunch of parents went into the school board meeting, and they were upset about critical race theory and about all of the uh, library books that are, are in Wyoming libraries. And the school board flat told them, and I, I, this, is, this is almost an exact quote, we have no intention of telling you what your children are doing at school. We know best. And the difficulty with, with ideas like we're talking about tonight is that it is, it is difficult to get parents and people in Wyoming to believe that this sort of stuff is happening here. But it absolutely is. 
Yeah, and again, the WEA is, I look at it as an offshoot of the NEA. And with what has the NEA been aligned right close to the hip with the Democrat Party? And it's an incestuous relationship that's developed. And which party is it among the two standard parties that is all in for government? Government will handle everything. You Do you remember the 2012 re-election of Barack Obama when they had a silly cartoon about Julia? Remember that? I don't know if I do. Go ahead and refresh our memory. That was ridiculous. They put on this animated cartoon, and it showed how this fictional, fictitious character, Julia, young lady, was, oh, she was just so thrilled with life because the government did this for her, the government did that for her, and she fit into the whole system, and everything was just wonderful. They have been using this now pretty much ever since actively uh, since Lyndon Johnson concocted the Great Society in 1960. One of the side uh, benefits, so to speak, to the Democrat Party of that was the big government aspect of it. They basically said, and this is a key point, they said, let's have the government do it. It isn't the family anymore, the government. Do you replace the family, the nuclear family, with the government? And what do you get? You get collectivism. You get, and, and yeah, and, and it's it's so totally agonizingly obvious that the federal government has pretty much messed up everything it's touched. Look at the border. And yet they will sit there, the DHS secretary, Mallorca, sits there in a congressional hearing under oath, and he says, yes, the border is secure. Never mind what you see on these videos from the border itself. Thousands. Thousands of these people crossing every day. No, no, never mind that. What we're telling you is everything is quite easy. Lova science, put on your mask, get your backs, and, and be sure to stay six feet away. You see, wherever you look anymore, the federal bureaucracy has become this behemoth. It's the largest employer, by the way, on the planet. And what they say goes. Unfortunately, the Congress hunted on their constitutional duty to preside, uh, to provide oversight over the bureau. It's supposed to be that after a congressional appoint, uh, uh, bill is passed, appropriating, authorizing, and appropriating money to the federal agencies, the Congress is supposed to come back and, and oversee that process. Let's look at what you're doing with that money. They don't do it. Uh, Harriet Hageman, I attended a lecture several years ago that Harriet, she's very knowledgeable about this. I hope they put her on one of those committees on oversight because she showed very clearly what happens. They just Congress does their thing, and then they, they, they head off into some la-la land. They start you know, just campaigning for the next election, and the bureaucrats are saying basically, don't you worry about it. We've got everything handled. Again, it's the story. We know what's best. We're the professionals. We'll take care of it. So you end up having COVID months and the border is. You're exactly right, Charlie, because, you know, all of this is not new. It goes back to 19th century philosophy with Jeremy Bentham and John Stuart Mill. Marx was writing around the same time. And all of it is a push towards collectivism. All of it is. 
It's just rebranded with a new phrase and a new shiny cover. And we're led to believe that, you know, it's the intellectuals that know what's best. You know, the intellectuals can solve it. And the truth is, uh, those intellectuals, most of them were postmodernists when they were chased out of Europe, made their way into academia in America. And that is exactly where this common good constitutionalism is coming from, Harvard University. I mean, it's pretty easy to trace how it, uh, I don't know what the right word is, but uh, how it matriculates down into state legislators and local school boards. I would use the word metastasize what it does and you're right the frankfurt school look at what happened when they came from from germany where did they go they went to the university of wisconsin (laughs) and from there here it starts to spread and there we are well charlie i really appreciate you taking the time to visit with me on this tonight Uh, i think this is a critically important concept for everyone to understand so that they can they can spot it when they see it and hear it and unfortunately You hear a lot of this thinking come out of the Wyoming legislature, and it's pushed by the Wyoming media. And just to kind of bring bring our conversation full circle, the reason why the Wyoming media uses terms like right-wing or extremist is the left always has to create a dichotomy. It is us versus them. It is the proletariat versus the owners, the Jews versus the fascist party. I mean, there is always a dichotomy, and what they're trying to do here is create that dichotomy uh, wherever they possibly can, so that we do have an us versus them. We're the moral ones. They're the radicals. They're the right wing. Yeah, it's the, it's, it's the old story of the, of the sacrificial lamb and the, and the boogeyman. They have to have, if you look at how the Gestapo in Germany, the, the Soviet the NKVD and later KGB and the, and the East German Stasi, if you look at how they dealt with dissent, it's very interesting to note that the one thing that they would never allow is diversity of thought. Now, what is it that we hear about diversity being, oh, our strength is our diversity, except for one kind of diversity of thought. Mm-hmm. That. We can't have that because it's getting in the way of progress. I think it was Woodrow Wilson when he was president. He said, you I know, hate I, that guy. The Constitution is just such a bag on our. It prevents us from doing so much good. And later, a Wilsonite by the name of Franklin Delano Roosevelt said about Benito Mussolini. He said, you know. That fellow over there in Italy, that Mussolini guy, he's pretty, that's amazing. He gets things done for the common good. So, again, you're right. There's nothing new to this. It's just come around full circle. And I just hope that more and more of our people start to recognize the signs and share with their friends and neighbors and relatives the fact that, hey, here's what this really is. This is nothing more than an attempt to slur people like the Freedom Caucus. They're trying to nip that in the bud. And God willing, the kind of people that we have in there now won't stand for it. They'll stand their ground and they'll say, we're right. And we're doing this based on what our constituents elected us to do. And if you want to criticize that, fine. We're going to do what we were said here. 
Well, I think that's a perfect place to leave it, Charlie. Again, thank you very much for taking the time on this snowy evening to visit about what we hope is an obscure legal theory. Okay, David, good to talk to you. Have a good one, my friend. So there you have it. It's not a new theory. It's old. And it's the same one the left uses all of the time. Just listen to us. We know what we're doing. And you don't worry your pretty little head. We, the government, will take care of you. Yeah, right. Well, that'll do it for this installment of Cowboy State Politics. Have a good rest of your week, and we'll talk again tomorrow during the Thursday live program. It all starts at 10 a.m., and you can find the link at CowboyStatePolitics.com or on the Cowboy State Politics Facebook page. Trust me, you don't want to miss it. From the base of the Bighorns in beautiful Buffalo, Wyoming, I'm David Iverson, and this is the one and only Cowboy State Politics.